So good morning. I um, I like to run, and um, I have a playlist when I run. And no slaves, no more has been on my playlist for a while, and it's really difficult to run and and hyperventilate at the same time, which is what tends to happen to me during that song. I'm running and. And um, when we get to that part where we're just singing, you split the sea so I could run right through it. If you ever like pass me on the road and I'm running and my arms are wide open and I just end up having to stop, it's because I'm just lost in worship and just this reality that our God has has made way for us and He is a good Father and He split seas so that we could walk right through them and He's walking and stepping and standing in this room and welcoming us into His presence and Maybe to bridge where we've been in Bible study and where we're going to go, um, when our groups for the last hour, I just, I just had this extraordinary news for you, um, if you weren't able to be in that study, and that's, it's just this word, this truth from, um, Isaiah 53, that we have been healed by Jesus Christ. That's just super news. I mean, I think some of you are like downplaying it right now. But um, Jesus, by His stripes, we have been given healing and restoration. And I think that means so many things for us. It's not solely, okay, look, there's going to be some physical healing. It's, it's deeper than that. At the bowels of who we are, at the very core of who we are, we have been made whole and complete by Jesus. And that's good news. And And, and, and more importantly... Um, we're at war no longer with God. And I think for those of us who've grown up in church, that's a battle, not that we fight at our point of salvation, but I think that somewhere, somehow, we've been taught in our traditions and our religion that somehow you will find a point where you are then pleasing to God. And can I just come to you and say, through the power and the presence of God, through the stripes of His life, through the shed blood of the cross of Jesus Christ, that you have been given peace with God. And if you have embraced Jesus as rescuer and savior and redeemer and friend, you don't have that plus two or three things that you need to do for, for you to have peace with him. You have peace with Jesus right now. And you are no longer a slave to fear, to your actions, to the bondage of any other thing. Here's what we are enslaved to now. God, I am in bondage to your cross. And I am in bondage to your name and above every other name, Lord. I will not be enslaved by fear. I will not be enslaved by traditions. I will not be enslaved by some demands that others will put in me. I want to be enslaved to the demands of Jesus, which is to die to self, to come alive to Jesus, and to live fully, passionately committed to Him. Welcome to worship today. This is an incredible day to have our kids just lead us. I love when one generation speaks back and forth of the goodness of God to the next. And so it's just been a good day. If we could, I mean, I could end right here. We, we have peace with God. And we've been healed in Christ. I don't know what your group was like or if you went to a group today or if you haven't found a group yet. We would love to come in. Our, I mean, we're just all sitting in tears in a circle. Just going, God is so good. We love him. And so we're, um, we're in a series right now. Um, it's called Psalms. And I just, I wanted to call it songs. And we just 
really kind of want to go with psalms instead of songs, but it's all, we just want to talk about some songs for a little bit and the power of God in the midst of songs. And I think there's a reason for songs. For instance, Colossians looks at you and me, it's, it looks at us as the church and says, when you're like, when you're growing in the love relationship with God, there's going to be some things going on among you. Like you're going to sing some hymns together and it's going to be beautiful. And you're going to sing those back and forth, which we've been doing this morning, just to express your love for God. You're going to sing some psalms. Some songs that David and Moses and others wrote that just were passionate outflows of their heart for the God. And then we're going to write some new songs. We're just going to sing them back and forth. Like, well, I feel like we should start right now. I didn't prepare for that. I should just sing and you sing back and I should sing and you'd sing back and you would, you would not feel free at that moment. You feel enslaved to my voice and it would be painful. It's just this, we're going to sing back and forth to the, to the goodness of our God. And I, I want to share out of Psalm 119, um, just this reality and the tensions of life that we have peace with God. I love the image on the screen again. If you weren't here for the first week of this, just this idea that um, in a third world country where there is extraordinary tension and pain and sorrow, there are also holy hands lifted to God saying, God, you put new songs in our mouth. And I think that's the point I would want us to walk away with from this series is that the songs of God are not these, we're happy, we love Jesus and everything's okay. The songs of God are in the middle of the tensions and the greatest points of suffering and the places that we don't have the answers and the struggles that we still live in and the places where we are still enslaved. Father, you are still placing a new song in our mouth. It's a song of praise to you. It's not a group of people. And if you have walked into this room feeling this way, I don't know if you're going to fit very well. I think we should be a people walking in going, we don't sense that we have it all together, and in fact, we feel pretty broken in this room. But we're a people who know who does, and we want to sing about Him with our hearts and our lives, with our actions and our passions, because He's put a new song in our heart. And that's just a group of people who have very little pride. And in fact, ideally, who have none, but who have so much of Jesus. And it really stuns us. I was reading a story, I think, I can't remember, Matt Redman may have written or somebody, I don't remember, I just think it was the weirdest and coolest story. It was talking about a prayer meeting. I love prayer meetings, I particularly like, I think it's the fourth chapter of the book of Acts where it says they were praying in the room, so well, I like this first and second chapter of the book of Acts, which is pretty powerful prayer meeting, we could try one of those. Or the fourth chapter of Acts, which it says they were just deeply pursuing God. And then as they were praying, the room began to shake and it was powerful. And I I was reading an encounter about a prayer gathering and just this heart for the things of God. And it was um, about one of my favorite prayer warriors. His name is John Wesley. You may have heard of John Wesley. He kind of started a powerful movement. Um, a bit um, the last few um, generations, this movement has lost its way. I love the Methodist movement, and I'm praying for the flame of the church to return to the church just where there will be this consuming fire that Wesley portrayed as he preached throughout the nations. And um, Wesley was in this 
prayer meeting and it was pretty powerful. They were on the second floor and they were just laying their hearts out for the things of God. And it it says in this moment that um, Wesley was uh, just sitting amongst them and they heard a creak in the floor that was a little bit frightening, but they just kept on praying. And then there was this super extraordinary crack in the floor. A hundred of them are praying and then the floor just gave way. And they fell from the second story to the first story. And I thought that in and of itself would be one way for the room to shake. I'm not sure that's what Acts 4 was portraying. But it was pretty amazing. And in that moment, as you can imagine, the dust was settling. There was quite a bit of unrest. If you and I were on the second floor right now and we fell to the first floor, I don't know what your reaction would be. And I would be honest, I read this story and account and I thought, God, I want to be so in love with you that I kind of have Wesley's reaction. He's laying on the floor, it says of him, and the dust is settling and there's some groaning and they're not sure what happens. I love, he said, they said he's literally laying there, there's a board on top of him and he says, fear not! The Lord is with us! And then he started to sing the doxology. You know, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Now, I read that, and I think that should inspire us, but I read this, and I thought, that's just weird, you know? I mean, that's unusual. That's out of the ordinary. That's not how I'm going to respond. I was reading it thinking, I want a hundred of us together. I want us to pray as Wesley was praying. I want to pray for revival. I would I would maybe contest drive this, and the floor would fall as your pastor, as maybe the leader of that prayer gathering. I'm not sure, as I'm laying on the ground, figuring out whether my leg is broken or not, that I'm going to scream from the ground, Fear not! The Lord's with us! Praise God from whom all... That's, that's just... That's unusual. I can see Dr. Dan doing this. Seriously. I mean, that's, that works for me completely. I'm just... I just want to get there one day. But I learned from this. And I learned... I mean, Wesley's not... I mean, this is what Redmond wrote of him. Not this guy. He didn't, Wesley didn't write that. was weird. This was my own thought. So don't blame that. I mean, I'm sorry. Redmond didn't write that. That's me. I think it's just, but everyone is licking wounds, but Redmond says, this unstoppable, impassioned worshiper is just saying, God, you are in the midst of this, and what we are praying about, and what we're doing is far too moving, and his unshakable worship really was unshakable. And here's what I learned from that. Not that the floor fell, or that's a weird story, or this is going on. Here's what I got. Though, as as I walk through this earth, I have a sense very often that the whole realm around me is collapsing. I don't know if that's your experience walking this earth. As a father, there are often times I'm walking and say, I don't even know if I am a decent father, much less a good one. My kids are feeling this, that, or the other. Lord, this is what I'm praying for. I really, I don't even know if I am even swinging as a pastor, but Lord, I want to swing hard. Help. And I, here's, here's where I land. Though the whole realm fall around me, though death surrounds me, though suffering is all about, fear not, for the Lord is with us. I don't fully identify with first floor to second floor me immediately singing the doxology, but I tell you, I fully identify with the world falling around me at times and still the depths of my heart wanting to sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Father, Son. 
So I think I made it to learn, and I, I think Psalm 119 tests and challenges me to trust in the fundamental and beautiful sovereignty of God. That's what I see from a person like Wesley who is sitting on the ground, dust settling, and a hundred people moaning, and he's just simply crying out, we have to know that while we have just been shaken, God is not. So praise Him. And I would just say to you that you have to know in this room that while the circumstances around you, and I'm not naive enough to believe that we're not sitting in this room, and many of us in this room have walked through a week the past week where the floor has fallen from under us. And I just want to tell you that while your life and circumstances are truly at times shaken, our God is not. And He wants us to learn to walk with him in an unshakable manner in a world that is fully shaken. And so I just, I'm already into my first thought and I want to read from Psalm 119, 35 through 37, some absolute favorite verses of mine about the unshakable nature of God. God, if, if you're unshakable, then direct me in the paths of your commands for that's where delight is. Grow me in that place. Turn my heart toward your statutes. For God, I don't want to pursue selfish gain. Turn my eyes from worthless things and preserve my life according to your word. Direct me, Lord, if you will, in this. Provide me with an unshakable confidence in the sovereignty of God. Give me that, Lord. That should be a prayer of ours right now. Provide us in this room with an unshakable confidence that God can be trusted. And I believe he says this and he says, look, I want you to understand there's a principle in this that you want to fix your eyes, set your course, determine your steps, pursue. I mean, there is scripture that has action items that point us toward an intentionality of our lives toward the things of God. Fix, direct, set, establish, pursue, impassion. Define your soul by the things of the Lord. Be so deeply intentional about this. Fix your eyes on Jesus. I think the principle that he would say to us, if you're going to trust an unshakable God, where your attention goes, that is where your direction will take you. And it's a powerful reality for me because unlike Wesley, I don't, when life shakes me, rise up and sing, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Listen, listen, including the blessing of falling a floor beneath me and the, the wood and studs and metal and everything is around me and everybody around me is crying out in some form of suffering. Praise God in His unshakable kingdom from all of us below, literally. It's a little robust for most of us in the faith. And he is looking and saying, I want you to view this faith with this idea. I think, in fact, this is what, this is what messes me up. I have this idea about faith. And I think maybe, in fairness, you don't. You're more mature than me, and I'm okay with that. But I often have formed this idea that if the desires of my heart are moving easily, or if the things that I'm praying about are becoming what what is simplified, then God is in them. And if they're not falling into place, then God is in another place or another way and directing me in a different way. And I'm, I'm really wrapping my heart around this reality that obeying God is not easy nor convenient. That being in relationship with an unshakable God is not comfortable. And it very well may not, in fact, 
I would bring to you and submit to you according to Scripture that to say, direct me in the paths of your commands mean this. You're going to say to God, direct me, direct me perfectly in the midst of trouble in this world. God, direct me into the midst of adventure in this world that is going to take me outside of my comfort zone. And I just maybe suggest this. This is in my notes, so I'm just, I may not, I may not say this well, but I, I think that Jesus, when he invites you into a relationship with him, invites you out of comfort. He invites you to a cross. He invites you to a place of death so that you can be raised to new life. He invites you into suffering. He invites you into sacrifice. He invites you into places where the first floor does fall into the second floor and he says come with me anyway trust me in a shaken world that i am a sovereign god and i am drawing you into an unshakable kingdom scripture i wrote this is in my notes promises us trouble if you're for me the world will be against you if you're not willing to lose everything you have And yet gain everything from me. If that's where you're at, follow me. If not, I doubt you're following. And if you are, it's a long way. Expect persecution. These are Jesus' words, not mine. And then then he goes on and says, in fact, consider it joy. I, I like, I love our faith right now. In Philippians 3, 10 and 11, it says, I want to know him. You see, I messed up in this idea of my own faith is that if things are moving the way it should, and if things are okay, and this is truly a sermon for me today, so I'm not preaching to you, I'm speaking to myself. If things are going as they should, then God, it must be okay. But when they're not, it's not okay. And sometimes it's not okay, and yet God is in the middle of it. And it's, it's, there is, there is mystery and sometimes I don't understand and I'm asking questions or I'm going, God, what I thought I was coming into is not happening right now. And he's going, no, what you were coming into was me. And I am more than sufficient. So here's the thought, Mark. Follow me. And, and in fact, and follow me, floors may fall, but I'll still, I will still invade your singing. Here's what Paul said in Philippians 3, 10 and 11 to mess up my perspective of faith, that I may know him, the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection of the dead. So let's kind of walk through that in our journey of trusting in the unshakable sovereign kingdom of Jesus. If we can agree with this, I mean, you can join me. I'm, I'm yes on a lot of these. I want to know Christ. I put a huge yes, I'm in. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I mean, yes, bring me into that, Lord. I want to know the fellowship of his suffering. Kind of. Maybe. Not really. I want to become like him in his death. Negative. Can we grab a Starbucks and talk about this one? That's kind of where I land. A bagel and a coffee will help us figure out what Jesus was skirting around. Or actually, Paul. I want to know him. Yes. I want to be resurrected with him. Yes. I want to be in the middle of his suffering. I, I genuinely believe my heart is yes on that. Just to stand in the middle of it because I know to stand in his suffering, to stand in the middle of suffering, even my own, is to stand with hope. That does not disappoint us, according to Scripture. 
Because I am founded on so much more than the temporal suffering that I am in the middle of, but I am founded on this hope that does disappoint. And perhaps that suffering is drawing me to character and the character to perseverance and perseverance to endurance. And endurance is drawing me to be more like Jesus. And in becoming more like Jesus, I will know a hope that will not disappoint for it is made full in Him. So I kind of am a halfway yes on that one. I want to die with you, Jesus. I think so. And somehow, to obtain the resurrection. In other words, I think even for Paul, who is a pretty good barometer for passion-filled life and trusting the sovereignty of God, even for Paul in this, he's going, I'm not sure how I get through this persecution and suffering and this death part, but I know this, that somehow, by God's grace, in Jesus Christ, on the other side, I will be raised again. And I, I, I like his, maybe his questioning of how is this going to happen? I don't know. But somehow my God is, so, is sovereign. So therefore I can lay on the ground with dust surrounding me and a nail in my backside and I can sing the doxology. It's just a thought. Yeah, I thought that was more funny than you did. <laughs> Direct me, Lord, in the paths of your truths. Often the more that we walk in the paths of your truths, the more that life will seem out of control. So God, save me. Direct me. Here's my prayer. Carry us by your grace in the fullness of truth in the middle of every circumstance so that not, not that we see the circumstance and define ourselves in that moment, but that we see you. So direct me in the paths of you, your commands, your delight. Save me from my expectations is my prayer for myself today. Rescue me from that. I I wrote these three words. God, overcome me. Jesus, overwhelm me. Spirit, consume me. And I wrote a second thought, just first of all, that this, this faith that we have that allows us to sing songs when the world around us is falling down is also a faith that um, calls us to say, God, I want to be turned toward things that are of worth. That's straight from the scripture. God, I want you to direct me in the paths of your commands and turn my heart toward your statutes. Turn my heart toward things that matter. I, I don't want... Um, my prayer for all of us, I think I'm saying I a lot because it's just so applicable to me. I don't want for us to be able to say at the end of this journey of life, we turn to things that lacked worth. I want us to focus on things that are worthy. I want to, to see the Spirit of God drive my heart and my life to things that are of worth, that matter to Him. Teach me what is of worth to you, Lord. Teach me and direct me in that path. Turn my heart toward statutes. Turn my heart toward you. And here's why. Because otherwise, listen, otherwise, otherwise, you and I are going to pursue selfish gain. And in, and, and in fact, that may be the issue with many of our lives is that our lives are not this. God, I trust you. Turn me more toward you. Because otherwise, I will purposefully pursue my own short, wistful story. And I don't want to pursue that. I want to, I want to pursue something that is far greater and far more meaningful. Can you imagine the day? And I, I thought of Mary as I read this and just read this. God, turn my heart toward things of worth. Can you imagine the mother of Jesus 
and her thoughts on the day that she was told, you are going to do something that is a, it's not a first floor to the second floor. You're on the 60th floor right now and all floors are coming out beneath you. Here's the message. You who have never been with a man are going to give birth to the King of Glory, the Son of God, the Messiah. Do you, do you get the implications of what's going on in Mary's heart in this? You, you are going to have to marry. You're going to have to turn your eyes toward things that are of worth because you, you are going to be tempted in so many ways to turn toward other things. Can you imagine Mary when she said that with the Son of God? There is the Son of, I mean, the, with the angel of heaven saying, here's the news that's going to bear for you. There is no precedence for this. There's nothing that can speak further to this. There's a supernatural element to this. And Mary is sitting and listening to this and going, Lord, I want to worship you. And yet in this news, here's what you're telling me. So listen, let's, let's just go with her for a minute. Here's what you're telling me. I am going to lose my fiance. That's for some of you a big deal. Some of you go, I won't, I won't finish that. I am going to lose my fiance. I am going to lose respect in my community. I am going to be cast out of my family. I am going to break the heart of my father. I am going to be misunderstood, misconstrued. I will lose every facet of my reputation. I will look, and you could just, I could keep listing for the next 15 minutes, but I think we should probably go in just a couple of minutes. She was looking at the big picture, and I love this about Mary. She did not consider her short story on life as the final story. When Mary responded to this, she says, look, I want you to understand that there are generations that are going to be saved by this. And so right now, the news that you just gave me for the next half hour, the first floor has fallen to the ground. The news that I have just received, and a lot of us have had half hour pieces of news that have defined the rest of our lives. Could we be free from that today? That is my prayer. The news that I'm getting for the last half hour is going to completely change for the next days or weeks or maybe even months. The story of my personal life. But the news that I've just received is going to change the trajectory of mankind for thousands of years. What would happen if we begin to see our lives not in snippets of the most recent news, but in the story of the light of the kingdom of Jesus Christ? And how do God, what you just parked in my life, how do I turn that for the sake of your glory and your good and your gain and your kingdom? I want to just tell you how she did. She heard the news. She jumped up. She said, I think I'm going to go hang out with Elizabeth because I have something extraordinary to tell. So I'm going to go spend some time with Elizabeth. And I'm going to tell you, and Elizabeth's going to tell me that I am favored by God. I am going to hear words from him. And then here's what I'm going to bring out. You know what she brings out? I am going to write a song and I'm going to sing this song this is Luke the first chapter and I put the wrong notes up tech team I put the second chapter so the first chapter of Luke she just started to say this my soul wait wait the 50th floor has just hit the first floor so lest we think Wesley is weird here's the mother of Jesus my soul glorifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of this servant. My whole life has been just ripped out from under me is what most of us would be saying. And she is saying, my soul glories in the Lord. 
He has been mindful of me. Right now, with the news that's going to carry to my family, my Savior is thinking of me. For the mighty ones has done great things for me. Holy is His name. Oh, that we would have sung, Oh, Lord, everyone needs compassion. Oh, God, You are mighty to save with the heart of Mary about 45 minutes ago. With our hearts just erupting, God, You have saved me. And right now, the current circumstances are a little awkward and I have no answers, but apparently I'm favored by You. Your mercy extends to those who fear Him. And here's what Your mercy is about, Lord, from generation to generation to generation. And I'm just a young girl. I'm a teenager. I don't fully get this, but I get Your heart. And something apparently is happening inside of me that's going to speak to generations from now. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. Many of us in this room, He will scatter those who are proud, but those who are humble... He will bring down rulers from their thrones, but He lifts up the humble. Those who were sitting in the midst of the dust storm and the, and the, and the wooden broken around us saying, Father, we trust you. And right now, the last 30 minutes have not seemed good, but the next 10,000 years seem amazing. He's filled the hungry with good things but He sent the rich away empty. He's helped His servant Israel remember to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever and forever, even as He said to our fathers. And I apparently am walking in the middle of that. And this little moment does not define me. Here's why. Here's why. Psalm 139.37, 119.37 I am preserved by the very truth of the Word of God. Lord, I, I can't, I can't come around and pull up the strength from my bootstraps. I don't, bootstraps. I don't have it. But preserve my life according to your truth so that I will not turn the current circumstances into a selfish story so that I will turn it into a story about the kingdom of Christ so that I will direct my life in the things of truth, so that I will settle my life there, and so that Jesus will be glorified in me. And the sovereign God will be lifted high. And so I'm just coming today. And in fact, I think this prayer was in my notes, and so I'll just end with Scripture instead of my own little precious thought. When Paul wrote, he said, pray for me that I would make known the mystery of the gospel, that I would declare it fearlessly. He wrote this when the first floor had fallen into the second floor. But his life, wait. It, 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 was, it was even amazing because it fell up. If you weren't listening, you totally missed that. I love David when he says, and David's just being, just being crucified for his faith. And he says, look, I, I don't... I don't care what the rest of you are doing. And this, this may apply to a few of us in this room. I don't care the response of an entire army who are chosen and set apart by God to be in the middle of battle. Here's what I care about. My personal response when the second floor is on the first floor. And here it is. So the world will know that there is a God. I'm, I'm going to step into this fray. 
And I am anointed by God and driven for his name. And therefore, I will step in and worship. And my worship required action, according to David, so that the world would know that the temporal circumstances of a nine-foot dude had nothing to do with God. And everything well, wait, wait, had nothing to do with the power of our strength and everything to do with God. And I just want the world to know that I am a little guy, but I want you to know there is a great God and I will chase Him and I will pursue Him. And here's, here's Rowan. And he, he just carried on and people, all through his life, people just made fun of him. And to understand this, it wasn't people outside of his religious circle. It was people inside his religious circle. So this applies to us greatly as a church that we will trust in the sovereign hand of God. That we'll be unshakable in the midst of that. And we will direct our lives in the heart in the midst of His commands. And we will be preserved by His Word. And David says this, Those who hate me without reason outnumber the hairs of my head. I have had my wife scream down to please stop worshiping. I've never had that happen. She pushes me further, so I'm thankful for that. I have endured scorn for your sake, and shame covers me. I am stranger to my brother. I am an alien of my my mother's sons. But here's why. For the zeal of the house of the Lord consumes me. And I am praying that the zeal for the house of the Lord will consume us in His sovereignty, in His Word, and as it's preserved within us, so that... Whether or not you're currently in this circumstance, you're either coming out, heading into, or in the middle of the second floor, falling to the first floor. And like John Wesley, like David, like Mary, like Paul, we would just simply lay our heads back. We're not sure what all's broken, but we would lift holy hands and say, Fear not, for the Lord is with us. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him. Literally, no kidding, God. All creatures here below. I hadn't thought right now. I'm thinking, this is why He sang that song. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Yeah. Amen. I'm, I'm actually done though, I think. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, here's, okay, here's my key.